Hello and welcome to Roll for Friendship, the podcast about friendship and sometimes dragons. I am your guide, Jim McIntyre, and with me as always, playing Hatchet is... John. And playing Frank... Me, Jesse. Hello. Hello. How, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I don't know, I just wanted to interrupt the flow for a bit of chaos. I, I didn't uh, know if you were asking me or the listener. The listener. Um, get back to me when you can. Thanks, I'll guys. wait. <laughs> Let's not wait, because we need to keep moving. Uh, previously on Roll for Friendship, Hatchet and Frank headed to the city of Caldone and promptly announced themselves at the gate, despite the fact that the bandit king, the king of Caldone, wanted them dead. Uh, And also they're fairly notorious. So they took a job from old friend, I I say friend lightly, Theodora, who gave them a task to get them out of the city where they maybe killed Santa. (laughs) Uh, Now they are back in Caldone, having said goodbye to their new friend, Tilda Swindon. I think it was Swinton. Yes. Um, I think Tilda disappeared into a, a rift and left it was behind a puff of a, creatine. A puff powder of creatine right. Right. Um, and, and left behind some muscle milk, which has been quickly stored. Also, the brother, uh, half brother of Hatchet and Frank, Benner Farmer, uh, was captured by saints of the goddess of wisdom who seemed to be. Uh, asking Hatchet and Frank to sacrifice themselves. At least they're asking. It's kind of <laughs> polite, you know? Well, I think it was more like demanding. <laughs> no, they, they did the thing with like toddlers. Like you provide options, but there's still two bad options. For the, <laughs> you you know, it's like a choice. Or you could <laughs> just sacrifice yourself. <laughs> you have it's a choice. It's really up to you, those honey. choices have consequences. <laughs> so you guys are back... Uh, at Theodora's store, which is called Al's Chemical Wonders. It was owned it sure is. by a man named Al before Theodora bought it. Oh, Theodora bought it. I thought she was just working there as a cover. I mean, I think it is part of her cover, but like she is running the store and working as a fixer, like finding jobs right. for people. Okay. Uh, so you guys have caught back up with Theodora. You are sitting in her, like, living room. I was trying to remember if living room was the, like, Australian slash British term and our American listeners wouldn't know what that meant. Lounge room, living room. What else would you call it? Mezzanine? Is that a word that people use? No, not to mean that. Very specific thing. eating space, right? No, mezzanine's like a second level, but within, like... That overhangs. Well, maybe... Actually, that feels like it would be in a shop, right? Well, this is her rumpus room. (laughs) (laughs) Where she goes for a rump. How much room is there for activities? (laughs) Rumpus room might be like six levels removed from an American audience. Because I'm pretty sure rumpus room is entirely English and and Australian. No? I have no idea. If you've never heard of a rumpus room, it probably sounds like a sex thing. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like, so I don't know if you'd be having a rumpus. <laughs> yeah. When you want to rump with a loved one. So, 
<laughs> you guys are sitting in armchairs in front of a fireplace. The fireplace is not going because it's summer uh, and it is quite warm. But uh, despite that, Theodora is sitting with a like thick knitted yellow blanket on her lap uh, and is yeah sitting opposite you guys. There's books everywhere, large stacks of books, uh, very messily. Like you can see that because from memory, Theodora's office was super messy uh, at the university and you can see that that is just who she is. Well, obviously, we can see her in the blanket or whatever it is, the knitted blanket, you said. Yeah. Or coat. Is she, like, appearing sick or unwell? Is she all rubbed old. up? I don't know. She's Maybe just she just old. likes being cozy, Jesse. Yeah. You could ask. Okay. I mean, Frank could ask her. But okay. uh, He's got rickets. What's rickets? Is that an old people thing? Is that what they little Timmy had in Christmas Carol? <laughs> yes. What? Oh no! So. <laughs> oh no! Why did you make me Google? That? <laughs> I didn't make you do anything. Oh okay. Well, that got dark. That got dark quickly. It's okay. Rickets only affects children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> cool. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, you guys have been catching up with Theodora and I'm assuming that you've kind of told her, well, actually, I don't want to assume what you've told her. Like, I don't want to, I think we can role play the bits that are really pertinent, but like, I don't want to have to role play like you telling her about Zagreus and like you telling her about Rayleth. Like, why don't you tell me what you think Hatch and Frank would tell her? Because it would be a long catch up. Yeah, I think we told her everything. And I think it was like just a... um, for her, it was kind of horrifying. For us, it was kind of liberating. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think we have any reason not to trust her with that information. Yeah, I I genuinely believe that Theodora still has like positive feelings and positive like hopes for us. Yeah, even after all of that. Yeah, I mean, she I still think wants to help us. She like is just a woman filled with animosity. Like she's just. <laughs> Like, she's not a pleasant person to be around. But I think despite that, um, you probably can tell that there's some level of warm regard, even if she treats you like poop. Warm regards. Yep. I got distracted because I was thinking about animosity being like the midichlorians equivalent, but for animorphs. Oh. Like, his animosity's off really the chart. <laughs> <laughs> he had high levels of animosity. An animorph? Okay. Uh, so you guys have told her everything. So I think that one of the moments where she really interrupts your narrative is when you are telling her about Rayleth being back. And okay. You guys that he was alive. Rayleth. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, was alive. Uh, I think that that's a moment where she's like genuinely really surprised uh, that Rayleth was spat out of the timeline and spat out earlier. Hmm. Um, well, I guess later. Mm. Uh, but no, because I think from memory, he was spat out a few years. Five years before, before. the... Yeah, yep. that's right. So she seems to react really big to that. And you hear her say like, well, that might mean, could it could it be maybe Mickey made it out? She kind of trails off and stares into where the fire would be for a while before coming back. And says, 
Well, from everything you've told me, you need the map from the palace to get back to Mischief Mountain to save Mountain. It's all a little bit of a hunch at the moment. We, yes, we're kind of pulling at loose threads at the moment. The last time we tried to find Mountown, uh, Hatchet went out to sea with Benner, and then the next time we found each other, we were at sea again. So I think we're just trying to follow every lead and kind of catch up to the trickster. I'll make you a deal. I'll help you with this palace job, and you help me with something after. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, do you have any contacts that we can get that we'll like start our, our um, sort of trip to the palace and figuring out how to get in there and stuff? Is that what you're giving us? Uh, yeah, she, she nods thoughtfully. It's funny that it's this palace that you've ended up drawn back to of all the places in the world. Care to elaborate? Yes, of course. Of course, I fate. I forget how little we we you lived know. a shelter life. Yeah, sheltered yes. life. The palace of Caldone was once the home to the last fate lord, fate lord Cyrus. Was he in a position of government in this town? No, uh, it's hard to define what the fate lords were. He was the only fate lord at the time, and everyone, they wanted their fates changed. So they would flock to him. Uh, his palace was built on the wealth he accumulated from donations from people visiting him and him changing their fates. So fate lords are kind of like Pope. <laughs> the Pope. People make pilgrimage. Yeah, I think fate lords being different in different times. Like, I think that there was times where there was more Fate Lords kind of trekking around, um, and then there was this time where there was only the one Fate Lord, uh, right. and he was the last Fate Lord for a long time before you guys. So, yeah, it's like the Pope. If earlier in, like, the world existing, there were multiple Popes, and they would battle as Popes. <laughs> and those Popes could change people's fates. <laughs> They called them Popemon battles. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, I think we can finish the episode there. Yeah. yeah, so... I'm glad that you're starting to reference animes, Jim. Um, even if... <laughs> Are you talking about the Pope or Pokemon? Did you want to ask Theodora anything more um, about the palace... Or do you want to know about contacts? I No, I think, I don't know how Frank feels about it, but I think Hatchet's a bit like, we need we need the um, map. We don't really need to get super involved in the politics, I guess. But I know that Frank is more interested in the fate stuff. Well, I think that like it's also just going to happen, right? If we're there and if we get caught up in some stuff, then it's probably inevitable. Also, like, we'll find his fate getting in Rumpus beaten. Room. And yeah. we'll just rump him in there. Um. I mean, hold on. Like, <laughs> let me just establish and make, let me make sure that you know, like the last fate Lord, we're talking like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about getting involved in the politics or whatever, but like, I'm just oh, making yeah, yeah. sure you know that like, 
if, if you were asking her questions, you'd be asking her questions about history as opposed yeah. to like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was I chose the moment to be silly, but maybe I should. Um, I don't know. Get you could. I just wanted to make sure that Lords. Jonathan and Jesse knew that like there wasn't currently a Fate Lord in the palace. No, yeah. I just thought there might be some stuff left over. You know. So you guys were wanting to know uh, if she had any contacts that could help. Yes. You. So she says, "Well, it depends what way you want to go at this. Like, obviously, you need to get into the palace and get the map. The palace is." Heavily guarded, heavily fortified. It's not going to be easy. So, I guess are you just like blasting your way in, or are you going in sneak? I think that's. I think the blasting is like a backup option because we, you know, we can we can fight real good, but there's not is there anyone much that's point. not particularly a fan of this king that maybe we could curry some favor with. She laughs. I- Yes, I think it's fair to say that there's some people who are not fans of the Fate Blasted Bandit King. The yes, there is. Oh, anyone, anyone to do with magic or anything? Because, like, obviously he's outlawed magic. It'd be cool to connect with some other wizards and stuff. You know, kind of hone a few different skills on the way. Uh, yes, they is probably people with magic in different factions. I know there's there's some of the gangs in the city that are quite pro the king, and there's some gangs that are very anti the king. There is also talk of a rebellion brewing. There is vigilantes working against the criminal gangs. Well, why don't we why don't we start with uh, we find out who is involved with the revolution, and then we'll do some jobs with other places that might have resentment towards, and then just kind of act as like a, you know, some sort of recruitment scheme. If if everybody recruits two people, and then that person can be in charge of the other two people, and we'll create like this system of uh, plausible deniability, you know. And sell skincare products. <laughs> <laughs> From Al's chemical warehouse. <laughs> I I think had uh, I think Frank that is probably gonna take a little too long. Maybe I'm interested in these vigilantes. If there's some individuals who are uh, powerful enough in love themselves, maybe we can bring them on side and bring them in for a job. Should we uh should we split up for this one? Maybe you can talk to the vigilantes and I'll go to the union. Yeah. I Look, I think that's probably a good idea, but a, a couple of things that probably need clarifying. The union? Uh, revolution people, whomever. Okay. Just checking that you didn't think there was like a revolution union. Uh, well, it's got to be a group of people with one solid goal, right? Isn't that a union? I would be skeptical at how solid their goal is. Well, but I think part of their so- one of their goals would be killing the king. I'd imagine, and maybe we can work with that. You know? Yes, probably that. There is one other piece of news that you would not have heard while you were out of the city. Okay. The docks, 
there was a ghost ship that appeared that coasted into the docks completely empty. No one on board. And the thing was made of three ships. What does that mean, made of three ships? So um, Theodore is referring to the three ships that we were on collectively that crashed. Yeah. So uh, she says, because was that actually Hatchet asking? It sounded like Hatchet to me. It was Hatchet-ish. <laughs> yeah. But in my character voice and everything. Well, it was then then Jesse like just leapt into the room. Right. Uh, yeah. Leapt over a couch and was like. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I know this one. <laughs> Yep. Jesse um, been so hanging the implication out. there that maybe we could go and search the ships or just that the chiefs had thought it was interesting that the ships arrived no you told Theodora everything right so like mm. I think that Theodora is telling you like and I think she even probably specifies it when it seems like Frank and Hatch don't know what to do with the information like this is her telling you the saints are probably in the city oh right well but they were empty. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I wouldn't put it past a saint to be able to go through something unannounced. We do have that dagger, I suppose. They they seemed very keen on retrieving that. Wouldn't yeah. Be if if I if we just use that like two more times total, I think we'd be right. Just once on each of the saints, and then all good, all finished. Maybe discard that thing forever. Well, I wouldn't discard a god-killing knife when there's a god after you. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's why Hatchet holds a knife, not me. I'm yes, that's less it, about the violence. <laughs> I'm not necessarily about the violence, but you know, sometimes it's necessary. Yes. All right, so should we meet these people? Let me spitball with you. I'm happy for you guys to separate. Um, Jesse, I'm thinking maybe like they've Theodora's gotten wind that there's like a cell of the revolution that meet in like the basement of one of the gang headquarters. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking for them. John, maybe you can have a think about where the vigilantes might be operating and yeah, what sort of lead Hatchet has on that. And I'm happy to start with Frank and then go back to Hatchet. We can bounce back and forth a bit. Cool. Okay. All right. So, Frank, you are standing outside the headquarters of um, one of the bigger gangs in the city. Do you want Uh, some folly? Yeah. uh, I was going to say, yeah, do it. hear the people sing, singing, (laughs) angry men. What? I he was singing that, that song just from Lamez. Oh, of course. It's <laughs> have you not seen that anime either? <laughs> <laughs> he had me for a moment. I was like, "So there's an anime of Lamez?" Yeah, <laughs> it's um the the chicks played by anime Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I think you're outside the gang of the Brass Lions. Like, you're outside their headquarters. Oh, the Brass Lions. Didn't we piss them off? Or, no, that was Vic and Cobb. That was Vic and Cobb. <laughs> Never mind. All good. All right. Uh, yeah. So tell me a bit about their headquarters. Like, let's... And, John, you're, like, 
welcome to throw in here, but like, where do we think they meet? Okay, I think that this is a fairly nondescript area. Maybe this is a laundromat. Is this the one you robbed from? No, Vic and Cobb did. Yeah, uh, Vic and Cobb. Um, Vic and Cobb were taken in by them to the jail the very first time they arrived. Yeah, Vic and Cobb um, were working for them and took the fall for them. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but then, then broke Vic out and Cobb of the jail. Robbed the night hunters. Yeah. Broke out of their jail and then. Broke out the of the hunters. city jail. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, sorry, you did not break out. And I oh, like, we posted clarified bail. this at the time. Like, you were purchased. Like, there was a bribe that got them out. But anyway, <laughs> that's. <enough. laughs> Not even bail, it was just purchased. Um, I think it's a laundromat. I think that like large volumes of things come in in boxes and and like trolleys and large volumes of things are leaving in the same fashion. Uh, there's a lot of smells, there's a lot of noises. Uh, it's not quite clear how much money is passing through it. People seem to have a lot of money in and out, so... That's I find I think that's what it is. And there's inexplicably a restaurant also part of the laundromat experience. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that people can eat while they're waiting on while they're their, waiting for their clothes. Yeah, and I think that because obviously there's no washing machines, it's more that there's like hand uh, hand done basins, and there's like twenty or so basins. There's a person standing behind each basin, kind of like doing whatever laundry that people bring in. And I think it's called the bleached, the bleach linen, bleached linen. Okay, what about the cafe or food next to it? it oh, I don't know. I can't be expected Draw. to come up with everything, Jesse. Fresh drawers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a pun about something you'd find in the kitchen and something you'd find in the laundry. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Pants of chocolate. Pants o chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that is a stretch. Yeah, but I think that's what it is. Pants yeah, o chocolate. Pants o chocolate. Yeah, and everyone's a little bit confused by it. Nobody really <laughs> understands. Because literally no one speaks French. Although I think we just decided Paris existed. No. Last. <laughs> I don't know that we did. We already have a Florida. Let's leave it at that. We've got Fort Lauderdale, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So you were standing outside of the gang headquarters of the Brass Lions. You can see, like, people coming and going with their laundry. uh, And you also see sort of a couple figures standing near the doorway looking like they're having a conversation, but they seem like they're probably more keeping an eye on who's coming in and out. Mm -hmm. We'll walk up. Uh, I Actually, I'm going to sneak past... Should I sneak past them? I mean, you can't. I was just surprised. I was like, oh, wow, Frank sneaking. This is new. Yeah, maybe maybe Frank feels a little different now that he's not with Hatchet, that he thinks he needs to be a bit more sleuthy. So he's going to sneak to see if he can get into like the receiving door because I assume there's like a commercial receiving door or like garage door or something. Sure. Yeah, okay. So um, I think you go around the side uh, and you can see, yeah, the commercial receiving space and in that there is you see like boxes being unloaded from a carriage and you see quite a few more figures like openly watching not just like secretly watching you see like four guards okay i think i'm gonna have to encounter them maybe i'll maybe i'll just like wave and say hello 
Hey. <laughs> hey, friends. As you approach the four guards, that are, I think they're kind of like standing in front of the wagon uh, and there's the open like door behind them that the carriage is driven into uh, and there's a few workers unloading boxes and doing things back there. But the four guards that all have clubs on their belts uh, turn and look at you and one of them turns to you and, well, I mean, they've all turned to you, but one of them says, what do you want? I've got a, a delivery here from Al's Chemical uh, Wonders. He, like, dramatically uh, looks around. Like, obviously, he's playing it up. Like, uh, yeah, are you standing on it? Is it under that hat of yours? It's a chemical uh, that you're not going to believe how small it is, but you're not going to need to have to use. I, I, um, it's in my pocket. It's, it's not big. It's actually a chemical that can um, be used for lots and lots of washing, but it's very potent and very small. But I think my friend Theodora sort of sent for me to come specifically here and talk to somebody. Okay, so your pitch is that Theodora had Has an hooked it up. For, yeah, uh, okay, yep. I thought right. that's what you, we kind of said that we'd had, right? Ah, no, I said that she knew that there was people, but honestly, like... If she knows them, she's worked with them. Sure. Yeah, okay. I, I'm happy. I think that that makes sense, so... Do you want to roll at least? Yeah, let's roll. Oh, never mind. Uh, I rolled a three. Fantastic. Let's jump to John. <laughs> Whoa, dramatic. <laughs> he's thinking about what he's going to do to me. No, I, I know what's happening already. I just, um, I think it makes sense to jump to Hatchet. I think Hatchet has asked Theodora, like, where's the place? Like, is it, it's night, it's kind of eternally nighttime, I guess. But where's the place that, you know, the petty crimes usually take place that a vigilante might be inclined to stop. Yeah, I think that there is maybe there's a district that has a lot of alleys. Um, like it, it's a market district, but it's filled with uh, like lots of little alleys, and uh, like people try and stick to the main road because they know that going into the alleys is really dangerous, especially because Caldon is permanently in darkness. Uh, but like, it's hard to stick to the main roads because of all the carriages going between the different market stalls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So people inevitably end up uh, in the, the alleys uh, and they call it the haystack. Yeah. And I think I think in Hatchet's mind, um, he's thinking about the fact that like magic is outlawed and ma- like magical items. So he's thinking that a vigilante might be the only person likely to like directly use magic in the city. Like yep. they might be masking up so that they can kind of fight crime with magic. Okay. So he's going to seek them out. Yep. So you are uh, headed into the haystack. So the alleys uh, surrounding the like market district. And I like uh, for normal people, it would be really dark uh, and mm-hmm. really like, easy to get lost really disconcerting but hatchet can see in the dark so does that mean actually that that's a question i did want to ask does that mean you're not wearing your eye patch well i don't know can i only see Hmm. out of my yeah out of my kind of shadow eye i think yeah i think i wouldn't wear my eye patch then yeah i guess 
Yeah. Or I'd have it lifted up, maybe. Yeah. You'd have it swapped for the other eye <laughs> so that you're getting night vision for that eye too. <laughs> maybe, yeah. That does make sense. So, yeah, you head into the haystack uh, and it's not long before you notice that you have a tail, that there is... Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Your animosity <laughs> levels have risen during this time. Uh, but you notice that there is a, a couple figures uh, slinking along. Uh, like, there's two on the rooftop, and you can see that there's two behind you as well that are keeping to uh, what, for anyone else, would be really dark shadows. Uh, but you can see them quite brightly. I think Hatchet's going to use his old ranger uh, acumen and try and kind of like lay a trap for them. Yeah, what does that look like, you laying a trap for them? Uh, I'm just trying to look and see what I've got on my person. I think I have some rope. Is it magical rope? It is magical rope. Oh, you're going to lose it (laughs) every time. Is Rufio with you? That's a good question. Uh, yes, Rufio, Rufio is with me. What size did we decide he, he was last? Mouse-sized? Because he's going to have to stay whatever size he was when... Can he not change size if Frank isn't there? Is that No, Frank's in charge of, of the size. Okay. I think then he is regular badger size. Yep, that makes sense. It's probably the most versatile size. So Hatchet is walking through the alleys, kind of aware of these four figures that are stalking him. Uh, Rufio walks at your side and you are rummaging in your bag for a magic rope. What are you doing with the rope? Are they like following at ground level? So there's two uh, kind of jumping from rooftop to rooftop above you and there's two that are following on ground level. I think maybe one is like, one is more just like walking rather openly right. uh, and even seems to be like trying to walk noisily to maybe like distract or intimidate you into rushing ahead. Okay. Um, I think Hatchet's going to find somewhere that's like undercover, like an alley that's kind of like got some cover over it and wander into there and kind of like try and set up his trap. Which yep. is just going to like try and lay a rope to trip. So uh, I think you walk into an alley that has like several like uh, ropes going across it with clothes hanging off of them, but like pretty densely packed. So like, it's not complete cover, but it is a lot of covering overhead. I think he's just looking for something where they have to come in closer in order to yep. keep an eye on him. Uh, where the rooftop ones have to drop down. Yeah, I think with the clotheslines, you notice that the clothes, the ones on the rooftop have kind of vanished from sight. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there's an awning as well, just so that he's got like a little bit of cover. Sure. But yeah, the ones on the rooftop have disappeared from sight. Uh, and the one that was walking openly behind you, you uh, hear them start tapping something. And as you look over your shoulder, you kind of see that they've got a, a sword drawn that they're tapping on the cobbles as they walk behind you. Like, they're trying to scare you into a trap. Right. They're, they're just being like, we're here. Yeah. Uh, like, you being well-versed in traps and in the midst of trying to set a trap yourself, like, you would recognize that they are trying to get you to rush ahead into something. Right. 
uh, I think Hatchet just kind of turns around towards the sound of the sword and is like, very well, it seems you know I'm here, I know you're there, so why don't we just kind of come into the light and have a little chat? So the figure steps forward and you it's it, a uh, dwarf with a large black beard and he looks at you and says, we'll be taking all your discs. Oh, this is a robbery? Aye, that's what this is. This, this we, how many of, the, of you are there? More than there is of you. Well, you're going to at least want, I, I would think, three to one. I, I've got a badger, and, you know, that's probably at least worth, I mean, your size, Rufio, maybe half, half a person. A bunch of figures kind of step forward around you, encircling you, and it seems like you can kind of tell that they're stepping forward enough that you wouldn't be able to see their faces were you not able to see in the dark. Uh, but you can see that other than the dwarf, and you don't really know the age of the dwarf because that's kind of hard to tell, but uh, you can see that they're all probably like 16, 17-year-old boys uh, and women, but like they're all teenagers. How many are there? Just like children. You're about to beat up children. Uh, I think there's eight of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like how that's your next question. How many children do I have to beat up? Right now, are there any like um, like centaur or uh, like <laughs> goblins or anything in there? Uh, I think that they're actually predominantly human. Uh, these ones, okay, led by the dwarf. Maybe you don't know. Um, Hatchet turns to the dwarf. Well, he's already facing the dwarf, and he's like, "It's a shame you're the closest. You really draw the short straw." And his quip lash unfurls, and he's gonna whip it out at the dwarf. All right, roll a dice. It's funny when Frank's not there, 12. he doesn't aim to disarm. Okay. So, Frank. Oh, we're back. Yeah, you were just talking to some uh, guards, trying to convince them that Theodora had set up a meeting, and you rolled real bad. Uh, so the four guards step forward, uh, and they one of them says, if you don't leave, you'll be leaving a different way. In one of these boxes. Uh, and all four of them pull their clubs out. Okay. Um, I guess I better quickly get my combat things up. I didn't realize I was going to be... <laughs> I mean, you don't combat. have to. You don't have to go into combat. There's other ways you can handle this. Jim, I have to go into combat. Uh, okay. <laughs> Is that yeah. what Frank would do? No. Uh, okay. What should I do then? I've been thinking about this the whole time, and I still haven't decided whether... I would, yeah, maybe I'd just double down. So that approach definitely did not work. And that approach oh. is not going to work. Telling them like that Theodora all? has set up a meeting for you is getting you can no I, Can I guess the name of the person that I'm trying to find? I think you just go for broke in your pitch about like the revolution and things like that. All right. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I heard that there's people here. Uh, that are dissatisfied with Gavin, the Bandit King. And I I swear, no word of a lie, the reason I came here was just to find some sympathizers for the cause. I heard that they were here. I thought that saying Theodora's name might, you know, get me through. But I'll honestly, for this trouble, I'll just leave. And I, I go around away from the four people and I stand where they all saw me walk away. No, and I so stand near. You, no, hold on, because I, I think we're still doing the consequence of oh, the okay. three. Because the three was a bad right. failure. 
so how we're going to do this is like, I think this pitch is more successful, but also like you have just like, this is what a spy would do. Uh, so I think that you turn around to leave and like, as you t- turn around, a club smacks into your head. Do I go unconscious? Yeah. So you wake in a chair. Uh, you were tied to a chair with a, what you hope and can probably assume is a clean pillowcase over your head. Wow, this smells great. <laughs> wow, thank you, says a voice that you can hear uh, through the pillowcase. I don't know what you want with me, but I don't think I can give you what you want. Wow, you don't know what I want. You just come strutting up to our people, demanding to meet with me. Well... Are you in charge of a revolution? I am one of the people involved in the revolution. Great. You're exactly who I'd like to talk to. What about? Well, I have a unique set of skills that could help you to get into the castle. Magic. And I'm sure you know some people who have magic as well. But I have lots of it and it's good magic. The good stuff. Um, and and I'm willing to help you get as many people as you need to the king. And I only ask to be there when you do. Me and my brother. Your brother? Yeah, she probably Who heard of you? us. Well, I guess I probably should tell you, but also I get in trouble a lot about saying my name. Let's just say we arrived in town and it's not the first king that we've seen murdered. Ah. Uh. You'd be frank then. I don't know. Yes, I'm telling you exactly the whole truth with very little elaboration. Yeah, the pillowcase is ripped off your head uh, and you see, like, you're in the basement of the laundromat. Uh, You see a table that looks like it has a bunch of papers on it that someone has thrown uh, another pillowcase over to like cover up what's on there. You see maybe like 15 people in the room, all heavily armed uh, and just a a real hodgepodge of people. Uh, And the person who is sitting in a chair opposite you is a uh, elven man in a like black robe uh, with fine features. And yeah, that's the person you've just been talking to. Okay. So I guess roll a dice would be, because you're trying to okay. persuade, like, what are you hoping to get out of this conversation? Um, I think that Frank wants to at least be able to get some help getting into the kingdom and then help them to, like, overthrow the kingdom as well. Because I think he's also kind of a little bit mad that people are getting beaten and killed at the gates for having magical items and things. And it's really not like, it's just not cricket, you know? Okay. Yeah, so roll the dice. Okay. It's another three. I assume you have no abilities that can help you in a dialogue. Other than fate shift? I've got this ability called um, veto. Whenever you make a mistake in speaking, you can just like veto that and (laughs) start again. Um, No. All right. So he says, well, I know who you are. The whole fate blast city knows who you are. 
it ain't exactly the approach we're going with here. I don't know that we can be of assistance to each other. Uh, and you, like, here's what I'm going to give you. Like, you see in the room and you see that, like, as I said, there's maybe 15 figures. But what you notice is that there's kind of clumps of people. Uh, like, it doesn't seem that everyone is maybe on the same page. Like, there's groups of people. Mm-hmm. You see, like, one group kind of centered around, like, yeah, sure, a centaur. Uh, that, And, like, you see another group centered around centaured. <laughs> centaured <laughs> I didn't around. mean that. That's what I thought you were saying jokes about that, like uh, centered no. around a centaur and gathered around a gatherer. <laughs> Uh, no, but like you, you see another group like centered around a um, dwarven man, another group around a um, human woman. Uh, there seems to be maybe like three main clusters in the room where like people are standing closer, and you can see that as this uh, elven person is saying this, that like maybe not everyone is a hundred percent on board with his plan. But that's the last thing you see. Before you're smacked across the head again. Oh, okay. the club. I was going to say and I had a plan. No, you just rolled a three. So take two damage, which I think is me being kind considering you already got smacked in the head. Double uh, three, yeah. And you wake up in a ditch a couple blocks over. Okay, back to Hatchet. So you have unfurled your quiplash. You have uh, just like whipped it at this dwarf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I, I'm imagining that, like, the whip catches the dwarf's arm and pulls the dwarf flying towards you and you knee him in the face as he comes I do like you. that as a... Yeah. Yeah. And the dwarf, like, spills back, sort of start, tries to stand back to his feet but is looking like he's barely able to stand. But the other youths swarm towards you. And at the same time, a figure drops from the sky uh two figures drop from up above uh with swirling capes uh and they start fighting the youths around you so there is i said i think eight of them that sounds right yeah so i think that the two figures drop from the ground uh sorry drop from the sky and start engaging with the youth uh and they kind of peel off some of them so they're both fighting, like, two of them, and there's four left that rush you. Four left. All right. None of them run away after I just, like, whipped and need. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> None of them run away. So, yeah, the four of them kind of try and surround you. One, none of them have swords. Like, two of them have daggers. One has, like, a lead pipe. Uh, and One has a candlestick. I just the lead pipe just no, reminds I, me of Cluedo. I understood where you were going. <laughs> no, one has like a a bread knife. Wait, um, that's not a sharp knife. Um, that's fine. But yeah, yeah. Right, one's it's got like a bad, one of those serrated ones. Like serrated, that, yeah. He's <laughs> Oh, he could give me a scratch. Watch out! Uh, and the four of them surround you, and uh, a young. Well, I mean, they're all young, but like a, a human girl uh with like short uh, i think she's got like a buzz cut essentially but it looks like she cut it with the bread knife uh (laughs) yeah she says you don't want none of this mister we'll end you 
He brought a knife to a gunfight and Hatchet kisses his bicep and he's going to attack. Yeah, I'm giving you like the move here because you kind of were trying to lay a trap and I think essentially got the drop on them in terms of surprise. So, yeah, do what I you're doing. he's just going to, yeah, he's going to swing at the nearest child. At the nearest child. Yep. I mean, he's just he's just punching and kicking. He's not stabbing, at least. He's not That's... using his god-killing knife. <laughs> yep, so you're punching this girl in the face? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I okay. rolled a 10, which is a yep. tough choice. It is a tough choice. Uh, so the tough choice is, are you going to punch this child? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like they get younger every time you talk about them. So there's this baby, right? And uh, no, so the tough choice is this: like you are 100 percent going to take down this uh, youth. You could pull the punch a little bit, uh, and you're still going to take them down. Or you can not pull the punch, and you're going to take out two with one move. Um, but they're going to be hurt. No, I think he'll pull the punch. Like I think he would. Yep. Like, I don't think he's trying to cause grievous harm. And he's also, like, conscious that he's trying to, like, get this vigilante on board and doesn't want to just be like, I am someone who just absolutely destroys wayward youths. Yeah. So how do you take down this child? I think maybe the tough choice is reflected in the fact that he goes to, like, like do a big swinging kick and then he, like, steps a bit closer and like actually perceives their age and is like oh gosh like what have i found myself in and yeah it just goes more for a for a punch that crumples her i think he just goes for like a you know in the stomach you know like the, the kind of you punch someone in the kidneys and they just crumble yep i'm sure that would still really hurt but yeah so she she crumples to the ground uh and is laying there kind of like moaning and the other three are glancing at her apprehensively uh, and then glancing back up at you. And you hear the dwarf swearing and being like, hurry up and get them. Uh, except in the accent that all dwarves <laughs> Except in my character's voice. Uh, and at that point, you also hear one of the vigilantes shout to the other vigilante. Uh, and she says, <clears throat> they're just kids, Talon. And you hear the other figure let out a squawk. Like, it is a loud squawk. The sound of many birds at once. Uh, Hatchet's like, yes, I, I am pulling my punches. Just, I'm trying not to hit them too hard. So there's the three surrounding you. You drop to the girl with the bread knife. Um, <laughs> and the one with the lead pipe swings at you. Let's see it then. So I rolled a one. Yeah, I'm going to counterattack. Okay. I think um, Hatchet takes the swing and just kind of like throws the kid over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to make you roll for this. I think that this is the moment where the kids like break and they just scramble. Uh, they just swarm out of there and they grab their friends that were downed and they swarm out of there and you are suddenly standing in the alley with these uh, two people. That... Did they take the dwarf as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the two figures approach you. 
the one that you heard squawk, it's uh, like the figure is in a large dark cloak. And uh, again, if, if you didn't have your eye, you would not be able to see what's going on in the cloak. But I think you can see through the hood of the cloak that's up, uh, you see a bird head. What kind of bird? I think that it's like a large white bird. Like, I don't think it's a type of bird that we have. But right. uh, like, when you say large, like the size of its <laughs> head is like half the size of a human head. Yeah, or? I think so. Yeah. Okay. We so don't it's have kind of large big. White birds. So. It's kind of big, like uh, maybe just smaller than a stork. Yeah, I'm thinking like a little bit swan-like, but bigger. Um, so and- like a like a stork. <laughs> I don't remember what storks look like. Other than- um, did you play Pokemon? Uh, it's like a white Fero. Okay. The- yeah. Weirdly, that helped me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I-, I think it's like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and the other figure is also in a cloak with the hood up, uh, but it is a large brown cloak that she's wearing, and the cloak... Uh, doesn't go as long like i think the cloak on the bird goes just just above the like heels of the boots like mm-hmm. um down to the ground but i think on the other figure uh the cloak is sort of down to the top of the boots because the boots are kind of almost knee high uh leather boots leather armor that is fairly form-fitting and a um like fox leather mask on her head and she says, well, I thought we needed to save you, but it seemed like you probably had that in hand. Oh, yes. Uh, I kind of saw you all up on the roof and figured it might be a way to draw you in. Oh, so this is a trap. No, no. I, I just wanted to make acquaintance, etc. So she has two rapiers and she's like tightened her grip on them and you You've seen that. The other one that she referred to as Talon that you heard squawk. I know what weapon do they have, Jesse? Sigh. Okay. They have size. Hatch is like, you, you can put your weapons away. I don't mean you any harm. The bird figure squawks again, but you hear in your mind, and I don't really want to do a character voice because I, I think you're hearing it in your mind, so I don't think it needs to be a character voice, but I think you hear in your mind like... Your hatchet, aren't you? It sounds like Microsoft Sam in my mind. Your hatchet, aren't you? Swah, 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 swah. Hatchet says, uh, that's a neat trick. And yes, yes, I am. I suppose it doesn't help me to hide that from you. Uh, The woman says, why did you want to talk to us? The king has something I'm looking for. We've got a little bit of a strange plan to kind of send a revolution in and create a bit of a smokescreen for ourselves so we can steal that thing. But um, it's kind of hoping to, you know, find a little bit of backup and offer you a job potentially. I don't know what kind of things incentivize you, seeing as you seem to be saving people just out of the goodness of your hearts. But So because we're saving people, you assume that we would want to, what, steal from the king? Yeah, I mean, it sounds silly when you lay it all like that, but that's that's the that's the pitch. The bird squawks in a way that can only be described as derisive. <laughs> uh, and the woman who clearly was the recipient of whatever the 
uh, said telepathically, uh, laughs as well. Look, we are not fans of the king. The king is the cause of much of the misery that plagues Calgon. What's in it for us? Mm, it's a good thought. I mean, what what possibly could be in the king's castle that you might want or maybe some revenge of some sort? Do you feel like killing the king? We will help you get into the palace as long as you are willing to make a detour into the dungeon. Okay, to that rescue seems reasonable. A friend of ours. A, yeah, into that. Who's the friend, can I ask? She says, my, my sister, my sister Hamira. She was with us. She was helping take down the gangs, save lives, and she got caught by the city guard and thrown in the palace dungeons. Well, that sounds like a good person that we want to save. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for that. You don't want to kill the king? I've got a little bit of experience in that department. (laughs) They both laugh. Uh, At least you think that the bird is laughing. (laughs) (laughs) The bird laughs a terrible laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And she steps forward and, like, offers her hand and says... You can call me the Grey Fox. Hey, look, I I just don't shake hands. It's just a thing I've got. Well, that, okay, yep. Do you want the short she, version or the long version? She looks a bit, like, embarrassed, like, unsure what to do, uh, but puts her hand down and steps back. So, sorry, it's a me thing, not a you thing. I just... Like, how will we know when the job's go? Like, I guess, what's your plan? Like, are, are you bringing them back to Theodora's... Uh, is there a way I can get in contact with you and signal to you that it's it's time? Yeah, Maybe I think like that a fox signal. I think that you guys work out a uh, meeting space, and I think maybe it's like you organize to meet uh, in this same spot uh, in a night's time. Okay, back here tomorrow night. Uh, it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. Maybe there'll be some more, you know, some kids to warm up on before we go. <laughs> <laughs> The bird laughs, but she doesn't look... Uh, as far as you can tell around the mask that's on her face, uh, she doesn't look super pleased by that joke. That that was a joke. I just need to, you know... Okay. Well, it's been interesting, Hatchet Farmer. You're going to need to lighten up if we're going to work together. It just is gonna, You're going to have a better time if... I have an amazing sense of humour. everyone says so and she tries to like depart in a dramatic way but like you can tell so it's kind of like if batman was just like leaving you know how batman leaves yeah like just vanishes uh but you can see that she's like ducked into a shadow and is like scuttling away because you can see the whole (laughs) thing just like i can see you i can see in the dark uh, and she looks embarrassed. Uh, and <laughs> so both her and the bird have left. Um, Hatchet returns to Al's chemical warehouse. Can I make a pitch? Yes. That maybe you return via, like, walking past the palace. And you find me. Yeah. And just s- scope it out a little bit. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. Do you think he, he comes across Frank? No. On the street? No? No. Okay. Frank's just still out cold. Frank is at this point. Still out cold. Maybe Frank's like waking up groggily. But the palace is a huge structure. Like, I mean, obviously, the midnight tree is sort of the thing that dominates the landscape. But 
quite close to the midnight tree. Like the closest you've probably gotten since you visited Caldone uh, is a huge foreboding stone structure that like you can even see from as you approach it, you see the patrols, you see the people on the walls that are heavily armed, heavily armored. And a interesting thing happens as you are approaching the front gates like you're still quite far away but you can see through your shadow eye a group of figures a group of shadowy looking figures uh like hundreds of them standing in front of the gate and banging on it i'm gonna go get a bit closer and see what that's about you can only see them with your shadow eye when you use your other eye like the gate is actually fairly well lit uh, like there's lots of lanterns and torches around the gate. Like it seems to be one of the better lit places in the city. And when you look with your good eye, you don't see any figures there. But dropping the eye patch back down and looking through your shadow eye, as in dropping the eye patch over the good eye, you see, yeah, that group of hundred people, like sort of a, a mob, standing in front of a shadowy version of the gate. So you're getting closer. Yeah, I think so. So I think that you can vaguely hear, like you can vaguely hear in your mind, like you're catching snippets of the shouting. It's only snippets, so you can kind of tell that you can't really hear them, but you can kind of vaguely hear this shouting. You can vaguely hear this mob banging on the gates. And as you walk through these figures, because I'm presuming that you're not trying to like duck around them or anything, if you know that they're not there. Or are you? What's Hatchet doing? I guess, yeah, I guess if he's figured out that they don't seem to be there with his real eye, that he's kind of, he would keep walking. Maybe you, like, reach out and try and touch one, even. Mm. And as you make your way through the crowd, you see, like, you are able to see the faces of these shadowy figures. So, like, I think it's almost that shadowy flame that you see on Rufio, but wreathing people and like you can still see in enough of their features that you can see their faces and you see in the crowd a, a face that you recognize you see Raylith uh, and then you don't see Raylith anymore like because this is a mob of people banging on the gates like you kind of lose sight of him in the crowd but you catch sight of another face that you recognize you see the face of a a woman that is not wearing the beard that you've often seen her wearing but you see the face of Miller and then Miller's gone, lost in the crowd. And you see another face that you recognize. You see Jamie and then Jamie is lost in the crowd. What does Hatchet do? And he, I think he's like confirming that he can't see them with his real eye, like, and trying to make sense of what's going on. Yeah. I guess he talks to Rufio. He's like, Rufio, can you see them? Interesting question. I, I think Rufio... Yeah, I think Rufio seems like he can see them. Like, he's looking around like he's seeing the same figures that you're seeing. And, like, appraising it with his paw. like <laughs> Yeah, but, like, you can just see that he's, like, looking back and forth. Like, he's following um, a crowd. Because, yeah, we're talking, like, several hundred people in this crowd that's pushed against this shadow gate. And you hear... You're hearing snippets of yelling. Uh, snippets of angry yelling that and occasionally you catch the phrase like fate lord come out let us in fate lord uh and you're just catching snippets like that you watch as 
the shadow gate, you see it buckle uh, as this sea of people surge forward. You again catch sight of Raylith, uh, and you see as Raylith cops an elbow to the face, uh, and this shadowy form of Raylith drops down uh, into the sea of people as they surge forward through the gate. Okay, so this has been Roll for Friendship, a podcast about friendship and sometimes dragons. Thanks for joining us. We will be back at some indiscriminate amount of time, hopefully two weeks, maybe three weeks, but we'll be back soon. We have a Discord. You can jump on there, chat to us, chat to other listeners. Uh, It's always good fun hearing from people, hearing what people are enjoying. So, Mm. yeah. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Roll for Friendship. Or don't, because Twitter's a hellhole. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Give us a, um, on Discord, if you're on there, uh, give us an item suggestion or something. We can we can have a look at it and see if we can oh, yeah, there was to the game. There, there are one. so many like opportunities coming up when the magical items are pilfered from the castle. I'm sure we'll find one that's cool. Uh, yeah, I think, I think someone recently did suggest one. But anyway. Nice. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Stay questy.